when we talk about the silent recession, we all feel it. Nobody wants to talk about it. They keep talking about soft landing. You know, we're losing jobs, but the jobs numbers look better than what they really are. And typically those types of jobs are, you know, second and third jobs that people are taking on just, again, to be able to cover that gap. a regular gym routine. When was the last time you checked on your financial fitness? If you're feeling like you're falling behind, Ed Sedell is here to help with The Retirement Trainer, a podcast about helping you get into better financial shape. Every week, Ed talks about things you need to know to become more financially fit for your future. Learn about things like how much money will you need, financial mistakes other people often make, and how you can avoid them. Plus, details on The Retirement Fitness Plan, a plan Ed personally created to help you get to and through retirement by focusing on five key areas of your financial life. Learn more about the retirement fitness plan when you visit egsifinancial.com and click on processes. Then subscribe, follow, and listen to The Retirement Trainer on Apple Podcasts, your iHeart app, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. It's The Retirement Trainer with Ed Sedell, a podcast about finding ways to help you become financially fit for your future, no matter what financial shape you're in now. A silent recession, 30-year mortgage rates at 7.5%, inflation going up instead of down, the average price of gas at $3.88 per gallon, up 21 cents from a year ago, bankruptcies up 17% in the month of August. Talk of a lost decade. Wow. Is there any good news and how on earth do we keep our financial plans strong and healthy in times like these? The good news is there is good news. This is Leanne Sedell and here to help us with all our questions and to give us some guidance to stay in the best financial shape possible, the retirement trainer, Ed Sedell. Hi, Ed. Wow. That's a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah, you I know, know. In, in the, you know, what all the kids say, holy shnikey. <laughs> <laughs> I, you, you know, and, and it is. And, and when you sit there and you look at the news, I mean, it's enough to keep you up at night. Well, that's why I'm saying we're supposed to be giving positivity here, and I don't want that to to No, and, and there is good news, right? Let's kind of talk about what's really going on. You know, the, the silent recession, I mean, that's, that's a... Yeah, you got to give definition on yeah, what is... Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, so I heard that, and, and it was referring to something completely different than the situation that we're in right now, but that's really kind of... So a silent recession, to coin that phrase is really, we're all feeling it in everyday America, Main Street America, but Wall Street America is like, oh, what are you talking about? We're fine. In the disparity between the haves and the have-nots, and I hate to put it like that, but you know, you've got luxury hotels, the Wynn Hotel is booked out, you know, six months in advance at 700 to $1,000 a night. You can't, you know, those types of vacations, I mean, they're doing well, right? But when you have Main Street America struggling to put food on their table, 49% of Americans. They're using credit cards because to cover the gap between what they're making and what they actually need to spend. Real wages are down for the third year in a row. And they say 22% of children are uh, under the poverty level is, is, is what it is across the board right yeah. now. So. And so the list goes on and on. You, you've got, uh, you know, pain at the pumps, right? Because we're paying more than we were even a year ago. I saw out in California. So today is, it's the 18th, right? It's the 18th, Monday the 18th. Okay. 
of September. You know, so gas prices in California were approaching $6 a gallon again. So that silent recession is really, we're feeling it, but nobody really wants to talk about it. They keep saying soft landing, soft landing, soft landing. But tell that to Main Street. Well, you know, uh, again, we have politicized everything. Oh, so it's, it, it's it, horrible. It's, it's horrible. You, you and, can't possibly say anything because now it's not just about what the facts are. It's not what about the math is or yep. or the ways in which those things were just defined in the past. Now it is, oh my gosh, this is a Democrat or Republican issue. It, it's, and it's, it's not. It's, a, it's an American <laughs> issue. You yeah. know, I, I just saw 91% of Americans, not Republicans, of Americans are saying that Biden is failing in the White House as it relates to inflation. So the inflation numbers came out last week. Um, the feds are meeting this week. So we're going to figure out if they're going to raise rates or not. I don't think they are. I think if they do, it's going to crush the country. And I don't think they do. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But when you look at rates and they and you look at inflation, it's the highest that it's been since May. 3.7% was the CPI consumer price index. So that's what they measure. But they say that, oh, it's all based on core. Core inflation, core CPI, and they take out energy and food, but that's what we all use, right? I mean, th this economy is based on energy, you know, whether it's diesel fired trains, right? Transporting goods and or trucks, semi trailers, and, and diesel is completely out of control right now. And so these are the things that when we talk about the silent recession, we all feel it. Nobody wants to talk about it. They keep talking about soft landing. You know, we're losing jobs, but the jobs numbers look better than what they really are. When I say that, we're, we have more jobs than, a, than what have been lost, but the, the jobs that we've lost are those high-paying jobs that provide good benefits, healthcare, uh, retirement, everything else, and they're being replaced by, you know, jobs in the service industry, whether it's, it's retail or, you know, restaurants. And typically, those types of jobs are, you know, second and third jobs that people are taking on just, to, again, to be able to cover that gap. And, you know, when people are kind of feeling stretched, we've got, we talk about this all the time, credit card debt is, you know, $1.3 trillion. Bankruptcies up 17% year over year. I mean, they, they haven't been this high since 2009. Yeah. But I do think people look at this and say, you know, how, uh, uh, yes, the credit card issue, but we need as a country to stop spending the money. That's that the inflation. Um, I, I mean, you know, we're, we're spending $5.1 billion a day more than what we're bringing in. Okay. We, 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 we don't have, I hate it. Well, you know, we don't have a you know, a revenue problem, we have a spending problem. No, we have a leadership problem. And this isn't a Republican or Democrat because they're all the same. The Republicans talk a great game, but they don't do anything. The Democrats just want to spend, spend, spend. And the Republicans are like, all right, well, okay. You know, and so that's the problem that we have. You know, we elect leaders to represent us because we're not a democracy, we're a republic, right? So we elect leaders to represent us and they're not. And, and that's the problem. But well, they get caught in the machine of, you know, it, of DC it's, and, and yeah, special interests. Which and hand is 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 going to feed me next? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I'm going to bring you back. So let's talk about the lost decade. Yeah. So so the lost decade is Japan's the the example. I'll, I'll go back and and explain it. But that's probably the best example. When you say lost decade, basically, if you look at Japan, that's that's textbook where there's no growth. Okay, economic no growth. And people are talking about a lost decade globally, which affects the U.S. because everything's global. There, It's a global economy. And I'm not sure I'm buying into that. I, I think it's going to be a little rough with rates and everything else. I mean, when, you know, there's a, student loans. Student all those loans are coming due. Yeah. And 
But look, there's a lot of good news. Okay. The good news is, is that we can make decisions in the voting booth. Okay. That's number one. Number two, we can also make decisions in our own fiefdom, if you will, on our own household by, you know, what we're doing, how we're spending, what we're spending money on, and actually putting together, you know, that plan. So, and, and take advantage of things because anytime there's something bad that's going on, that's a good thing because that creates opportunity. And, and if you're really looking at, because you, right, I mean, we have not been fans of bonds since 2015. And if you go back historically and you look at, because I don't think the, the feds are going to raise rates, they can't. And if you look at what the um, FOMC, uh, which is the, there's 12 members of the, the Federal Reserve Board that votes on rates. Okay, there's um, you've got the the board members um, and then seven others. And last year they said that rates were going to be at, up at five point six percent. That was the five point six five five and five eights. And so based on that, we should raise rates one more time. But I think Powell is looking at it, saying, "Oh my gosh, if we do this, we're really going to break the economy." And how he got to that two percent inflation rate, no one knows. God, God only knows, because <laughs> it makes no sense. I mean, when you look at the hundred-year average, it's three and a quarter percent. So, yeah. and I think he's painted himself into a corner. But when you raise rates, you don't see the effects for three, six, twelve months down the road. Okay, and so we're really starting to see the effects now from those rates that were raised last year. Well, and I also think he does not in any way, shape or form want like the forecasting of what he's going to do next, because I think we hear it every single week. There is one person that says he's going to raise it. There's one person that says he's not. And I think he in some way, shape or form really likes to keep everybody guessing until the day that he actually makes the change. Well, you know, the the odd makers, right, because there's bets. So the odd makers are saying that no rate hike uh, Wednesday, and probably no more uh, the rest of this year. And so the end of every year, the FOMC, it's called the dot plot. All right. It's just going to go off on a tangent here. So, and, and then I'm going to bring it back to the economy because it's all about rates. So the FOMC, that tw- those 12 members at the end in the last meeting of the year, they kind of predict where they think rates should be. And it's the consensus where the average goes that really determine, okay, because they all vote, you know, where rates going to go it, in its majority rules. Okay. When they came up with a consensus for in December for this year, it was going to get up to five point, you know, five and five eights. I'll just say that. But there is going to be easing. All right. Easing means they're going to start lowering rates. And that was supposed to happen in July. And it didn't. And so the markets have been just pushing forward, pushing forward, pushing forward, no matter what. There are certain sectors that should have done well that didn't do well, and I'm going to come back to that. But long term, what it's saying is next year, and we talked about this on the last podcast, that I would bet even money that, uh, you know, they're going to lower rates at least once, you know, next summer. So they release the forward-looking dot plot because you you have it for next year, and then they go two to three years out. Well, they released it um, last month that showed what the dot plot is and where those 12 members are predicting where rates go, and it's going to be 1% lower. And so now all of a sudden, you notice that as soon as that was released, what did the market do? All right. It started kind of rebounding a little bit. And so I think it's kind of pricing that in. And if rates don't go down, we're going to see some some struggles going forward economically, as well as in the markets, right? And people's retirements and savings. So 
How do we hedge that bet? I mean, what do we look at? And everyone's like, okay, well, let's get on the bandwagon. FOMO, fear of missing out. I can't miss it. I got to get on. I got to get on. I got to get on. Sometimes you have to look at, be a little contrarian and say, what is not working right now? I like cash. Cash is really good. It's very nimble. But if the Fed stop raising rates and then they start lowering it, okay, then how do you reposition some of those things, right? And I told you I've been against bonds, but now looking at all this economic data, you know, some of these short-term bonds and intermediate bonds, when I say short-term, I'm talking, you know, 12 to 18 months to maybe, you know, three to five years. And and that's it. I, I really, because the yield curve is inverted. Yield curve inverted means short-term rates are paying way more than long-term rates. So you can get a six-month treasury, which is paying way more than a two-year treasury, which is paying way, way, way more than a 30-year treasury, okay? So positioning yourself now going forward, you may take a little bit of a hit right now, but long-term, you're going to come out ahead, all right? When I say a little bit, maybe quarter percent. But if you look at commodities, because that's really, they should have done very, very well this year, and they haven't, and they're starting to rebound. And commodities are its food, energy, you know, those things that you use on a, on a daily basis. And sometimes you have to look at, okay, what has not performed and what is going to do well in these kind of markets? And, you know, there's so many things. And, and again, look, gold mining, you know, all these things that mining stocks, precious metals, you know, things that, that should have done really well this year kind of have come back down. So it's really about hedging your overall portfolio. You know, our clients, you know, they are, they, they, they drive the 10-year car, the millionaire next door. You'd have no idea how much money these folks have, the nicest, kindest people, and they're good stores of their money. So it's more about protecting what they have so that when they need it, safety, income, and growth, it's always going to be there. It's, that's the hedge. And so if you're looking at that safety, income, and growth, you have money that you set aside for emergencies, that's that yeah, urgent, right? That's your emergency fund. That's the safety. You've got to have money in growth. Hedge against inflation, taxes, healthcare, legacy, all those things, you know, and, and that's in the market. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, uh, exchange-traded funds, real estate, income, which is also conservative, social security, any form of income, rental income, pensions, annuities, dividend income, interest income, but it's an ebb and flow, okay? It's not a static model. So this is why it's got to be a hedge, right? You, you've got to make sure that you have enough money so that no matter what's going on in the world around you, you're going to be able to enjoy life. It's not going to affect your your bucket list, you know, seeing your grandkids, you know, taking those trips, doing whatever you want to do, but the markets work. Historically, mathematically, statistically, over a period of time, they work, and that's the key. It's time. So when you're looking at hedging your bets and there's fear, fear and greed drive the market and you have more fear, this is when you start looking and saying, okay, am I positioned right? What should I be taking advantage of? Uh, money market, six-month treasury paying you know, 53 5.4, 5.6%. And if they do not continue to raise rates, right, and then they start lowering it, that's going to keep coming down. So you actually have to forward look and say, all right, how am I going to position myself now going forward? And that's why the overall plan is so important. And that's the good news because you can really hedge your bets looking at commodities, looking at consumer staples, looking at healthcare, energy. I mean, all these things that have not done, had fared well this year because of the Super 7, those seven stocks that have been driving the economy, there are some options. And you can really take advantage of it. And I hate to say take advantage of, of the people that 
Everybody always wants that upside. Nobody wants the downside of the risk. And that... that you that, can't have it both ways. You cannot. You, you can. <laughs> All right. We, 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 I did, we had this conversation. Yeah. Where, and so I was like, well, you know, I, I, uh, I don't want any risk. I, I, want, um, I, I want risk-free, risk-off investments. But uh, um, how come we're not getting a 15% rate of return? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, you know, we well, would all like that. That's just not a reality. Well, and and again, sometimes it's one of those conversations that when you are actually going through and you're having the, how much are you willing to lose? That question, for me, as somebody that is probably already risk adverse anyway, I don't like to see any money being lost. I n- never want to see that. But I'm also not a gambler. I'm not somebody that looks and goes, oh, my gosh. I can forecast the fact that, you know, this stock that's worth four cents right now potentially could be worth $3 in a year from now. I'm just going to throw all my money in that because it's speculative. Why it's four cents? It's probably because it hasn't hit that. It, there's so much that's undecided on where that is going to to land. And, 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 and does that fit? So And that's exactly to your point, Lane. I mean, does that fit your profile? That's right. Right. It's, and I'm, now it's kind of industry jargon when I say profile, but does that fit your, your ability to sleep at night? I mean, you know, does it keep you up? Can you sleep? Are you okay? And you know, think of it as a lottery ticket. The chances of winning are slim and none. And are you okay just throwing that money away? But if it hits, hey, right? These are people, and, and we're talking about retirement right now. There's a lot of people that are, are in their young life. And I'm sure that the idea of, of being a little bit more risky with their investments is not something that is. But again, when you're talking 10, 15% losses in your account, it doesn't matter whether you're 38 or you're 68. It still hurts. Yeah. You, you know, and, and everyone says, well, you know, based on my age, it's like age really doesn't have anything to do with it. We met with a couple that had a little bit, they were a little bit wiser wisdom years, right, than us. I mean, they were in their late 70s and, you know, one was super risky and said, hey, look, roll the dice. Let's do it all. Um, and, you know, the other spouse was like, eh, maybe not so much. Right. And so having that plan together to incorporate both of that is that's the hedge. So everything's about the math, right? People get tired of me saying it, but it is. It's what is important to you? What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? Do you, do you want to see your grandkids? Do you want to take that trip? And and you plug all the stuff in. Are you paying for your kids' education, college? You know, are you going to pay for grad school? Do you want to pay for your grandkids' legacy? Is it about leaving money behind or the memories that you leave, right? That you live while you're here, those moments, you know, but why can't it be both? And so incorporating that into the math, look, there's no guarantees. Death and taxes are the only two guarantees. You can't take it with you. But putting a plan together to hedge your bets to say, okay, all right, well, worst case, if this is what happens, okay. You're right. You said financial objective, the long-term objective that you have. Determines everything. Instead of looking at the moment, right, because... This is not a sprint. Everyone kind of gets caught up in the sprint, the sprint, the sprint. Oh, you know, what did we do today? What did we do yesterday? And it's like, look, it's the plan. You got to look at it long term. You know, it's, it's, you know, three months, six months, you know, three years, six years, 10 years, 20 years. I mean, what's your lifespan? You know, from the time that you retire, are we looking at, you know, 15 years, 30 years? Because that's the game that's being played, you know, and, and the tools. And here's where people get confused. It's the tools that get you, everyone thinks the tools that got you to retirement are the tools that are going to get you to where you want to be, right? That 
life of significance, that extraordinary life. And it's a completely different set of tools. And, and that's why when people get to the top, they're like, ah, I'm missing something. What? Because everybody thinks the risk in retirement is about running out of money. Okay. But the, the risk is really living a compromised future. And what I mean by that is you're so concerned about everything that you can not enjoy life and you can't, you're not going to do the things that you want to do. Right. That's the compromised future. And so the difference between living that compromised future and bridging the gap to a life of significance and an extraordinary life is is having that plan. Right. And, and figuring out what's important to you and then building the math around it. I mean, that's that's the key. And that's the good news, because any, anyone can do it, even if you're in debt, even if you're in debt, you, if you have a plan, you can get out of debt. Right. I mean, there's a lot of things that can be done. There's a lot of people out there that can help. But, you know, if you have a plan, you're in good shape. And when when you start that, a lot of people are going to say, I'm still 20 years from consider from even contemplating retiring. But the problem is you wait too long and those options, those choices, they, they go down. They're taken from you. Yep. They're no longer your choices. Those choices have already been well, made. Well, you made the choice by not deciding. Uh, well, there you go. Yep. There you go. So, so that's the good news. The good news is it is up to you. You have the ability to manifest your own destiny. You you can decide what you want to do. Um, you just got to find the right team of professionals that are, you know, it's going to help you get there. And don't wait. And don't so wait. So if you have questions about what we've discussed today, feel free to reach out to us. You can reach out by email at info, I-N-F-O, at E-G-S-I-Financial.com. You can give our office a call at 614-526-4118. Or you can go onto our website. There's all kinds of resources there, but there's also a way that you can schedule time to have a 15-minute conversation with Ed. If you, uh, again, don't wait, do it right now. Get your plan in place and take away a lot of that anxiety. Give us a call. We'll see what we can do to help you out and at the very least point you in the right direction because this is the time where you need help and we're here to help. All right. Thanks, Ed. Thanks. tested your fitness level, not your workout routine. I'm talking about your financial endurance, because if saving to a 401k is the extent of your effort, it is time for you to start shaping up. And Ed Sedell is here to help you do that with the retirement trainer. It's his podcast to help you examine your financial stamina and learn the questions you should be asking and areas to focus on to help you get to that place you've been working so hard for a happy, comfortable retirement. And it's not as hard as some might have made you believe. Ed's broken it down into five simple steps. It's the retirement fitness plan, which he personally created to help clarify key areas of your financial life. Learn more about the retirement fitness plan at egsifinancial.com. Then subscribe, follow, and listen to the retirement trainer on Apple Podcasts, your iHeart app, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. Investment advisory services offered through EGSI Investment Management, DBA EGSI Financial Group, a registered investment advisor. Insurance and annuities offered through EGSI Financial Services, Inc., Ohio license number 1020619. Thank you.